So during that short rest, while did someone did startle guys... the witch? Is, you guys, is, guys is there a ring girl outside of somebody? Oh my god! Don't say that. It's fucking dark and alone here. Just I was. I, was Maybe, like I don't know if you're microphone. alone, but it might be dark. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> no, it's it's my roommate downstairs. I looked at my recording. It didn't look like it showed up on my recording, but it probably showed up on my phone. Um, I heard hideous laughter. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll ask them to keep it down. Okay, I'm actually no, legitimately freaked out right now because I'm imagining a, a face just appearing in this glass right here. As you're oh, drawing like it stretches oh, out. Like it kind of like stretches Another out like face? saran wrap and just kind of no, starts to break stop. out. <laughs> I thought we were doing this together. I'm sorry. Hey, hey Enzo, cool. it looks it looks like you left your TV on a staticky channel back there. I didn't even know they did Could you imagine? Now anymore. I'm thinking about, like, arms just coming out of the clothes behind them as someone just kind of Very gets grudge. Up. Very the grudge. <laughs> I'm turning on all the light. He opens it, and then we just see somebody standing there as he opens it. <laughs> He's just like, he turns around. Ah, it's me. Ah, it's me. Ah, it's me. <laughs> Enzo backwards because she's in the mirror. Um, I'm okay. So, <laughs> I get it. I, I believe it's I'm starting my supernatural hunter game next week. I'm so excited. Um, oh look, Enzo's drinking some red rum. Oh yes, he is. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Woke up in a lucid dream. Now we're hunting for the shark. We've got no bonds, world walkers. Hey everyone, I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers. In our last episode, the World Walkers rescued who they could from the cellar and reunited on the airship known as the Gambler. They managed to meet up with Ertleby's gunslinging master, Benjamin Manley, and we join them now as they begin to put together a plan to retrieve the shards of Stardust which are still in the travel city of Cosmic. I was going to say, while Brummelstone is, uh, as I guess we kind of agreed on a plan, and Brummelstone's going off to form his third bird, um, Vasa would have gone over to the captain, and she would have just like held out a hearty hand to the captain and be like, Captain! He's like, bring it in! Yeah, like, yeah. I've been waiting for some props over here. Yeah, uh, if, <laughs> if if she was so pulled into it, she would definitely return a very hearty hug and like slapped him on the back and everything. Yeah. Very sort of like share a laugh about it. Do you guys have a secret handshake? Is it like... No, no. no. She's just going with the flow. She sort of... Oh, she would sort of um, read his energy and reciprocate appropriately. So he's like, oh, last I saw you guys, you guys had ditched me for another ship. We should never have done that. Never. How could we leave such... And she gestures to like all the embellishments. And she's like, that wink. Look at that one. How could we leave this ship? I was wrong. That's why it's when called you- art. Will you take us back, Captain? Will you take us back? I'll take anyone that pays. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care. Speaking of which. And then she kind of looks over at uh, Benjamin Manley. She's like... <laughs> how, how closely do you guard your purse, Benjamin Manley? <laughs> <laughs> no, when you tried to pay, he's like, no, 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 no. You guys look like you were in a bit of a rough spot. I have a soft spot for people in rough spots. So... Captain! And she would just like throw another hearty slap on his shoulder. <laughs> Is it keep him coming, keep him coming. While you're going through your short rest and things like that, um, during that time, uh, Benjamin 
maybe you might be surprised, Tin, that he instead of spending time with Ertleby and catching up, he actually comes over to you. And uh, I don't know where you're at in on the ship if you're just on the deck or somewhere else. Yeah, Tin's just sticking with. Uh, I mean, not that she's like intentionally, but she's just you know been through a lot, and she's just quiet. She just kind of sees him approach and doesn't really say anything. Or I mean, she like nods, like she acknowledges his approach. And then just kind of goes back to staring off blankly. He says, I, I see that you were able to rescue Nina's weapon. Tin didn't realize it, but she was clutching the the gun close to her chest. And when, he, when uh, Benjamin says that, she kind of like looks down at it and she's like, yeah, um, she managed to, to call it to us to give us a chance, um, our one chance to be able to make an escape. You know, she was the only, um, what she called spell-slinger of the Masters, right? Yes. Has, um, you ever got a chance to look at her gun before? Look at her rifle? No. He says, why don't you, why don't you line up a shot and take a shot with it real quick? Uh, she takes his advice and lines up a shot and, uh, pulls the trigger. You find it to be just as accurate as your weapon. Um, you haven't really gotten used to it to get the full benefit of the weapon. But um, the thing that catches your attention immediately is it's silent. <gasps> what? Ooh, I can snipe people now. That's, fucking, that that's actually pretty fucking crazy. Even if you were to drop it, it wouldn't make a noise. That's going to be hard to find if you lose yeah. it. <laughs> um, if you're nearby and you say that, he says, uh, actually, um, spell slingers can call their weapons to them at a moment's notice when they've learned how. She never had to worry about losing her weapon. I hope that I can get to that point someday. I left my rifle behind. So, it's something I wanted to talk to you about. And he kind of motions over to Ertleby as well. Um, when it's just the three of you, he um, looks around and he says, Obviously, the shards are something that seems to be of great importance to your group. Um, where do you all stand on the Brotherhood, though? Benjamin, I took an oath that says that I am obligated to kill every last one of them. Is that not correct? This is true. And yet we don't know how much they know and who was involved. I look to you, my master, in times like this for guidance. Well, I'm a little different than the other masters in that I I take the oath seriously, obviously, the creed. Um, but I'm a lot less, I'm a lot more reluctant to sacrifice my students over it than the others. Obviously, this is something that we have to handle, but there are ways to handle it without running in there and executing every single person in there, regardless of their involvement in the situation. Tin, uh, I would say, is um, my one concern is that they do have that fully my rifle, something that's fully assembled, I worry that it could aid them um, in helping them learn more information. 
faster. And that that is a problem because unlike, as you notice, Nina's uh, weapon, uh, they can study yours a lot more because they can hear it. They can see it operate. Nina's weapon, uh, if you've noticed, you take a look at it, um, there's nowhere to load ammo because it doesn't run out of ammo. You don't need to put more bullets in it. You don't need to ever fashion more bullets. There's more things about it that even I don't know about, but those are the two things that I know about it. That It's got a drink holder. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, that impeded their progress uh, in terms of cracking down the weapon, I'm sure. They're like, really Um, trying to figure out what the drink holder is for? It's been like eight months doing R&D on the drink holder. Comfort. Comfort and convenience. Sorry, you having a moment? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> Rumble, Stone, and Roboto are hiding in a barrel, listening to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, but does it have a drink holder? Rafa is chumming it up with the gambler captain. <laughs> <laughs> but you still realize you haven't called his name yet. Benjamin says, um, "Just to be honest, with the way that your your companion talks about the importance of whatever situation you're involved in now." I know you said that you, you took the oath, that you, you, you follow the creed, but how will that affect the situation that you're in? I I fear that though the oath is something incredibly important to this world, that we have a pressing matter that affects more than just this world. And if we are to fail on our mission, it would end up being to the point where there would be no worlds to to protect. And then um, in a attempt to look casual, uh, Claiborne moseys over and she says, plus, it's really not that big a deal if more people learn your secrets. That's Whoa. something else to consider. And she kind of just... Thermos, don't control really, your woman. She's trying to like... Cat, like she, she kind of like she leans forward and she bumps her elbow and then she shifts her shoulders and she's like just you know <laughs> just saying. And, Literally, uh, everyone on the ship is listening to this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Everyone's to be fair, Rumblestone's like, making a raven downstairs, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it actually only takes him about 10 minutes to cast. It's 45 minutes of trying to find a good raven pun <laughs> name. <laughs> I just imagine while he's summoning it, he's making like hand puppet, like hand shadows. Trying to get the white, right wing distribution. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a few feathers over here. <laughs> While just chumming it up with uh, the gambler captain, Vasa would have after a moment been like, "Oh, by the way, uh, you got a, uh, you got cats on this ship." No, as a rule. What do you mean a rule? I don't like cats. Ah, yeah, <laughs> sneaky, soft little fucks, aren't they? And then she goes back to oh. chumming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Benjamin looks curious, and uh, Claiborne says, I'm, "I'm just saying. I mean." I don't know why you're willing to risk yours and, more importantly, everyone else's life to go down there and wage an absolute war over people who are just trying to learn how to make weapons because I don't get it. And uh, Benjamin doesn't say at first. He kind of, he's not looking at you guys, but you can tell that he's not trying to, like, 
step over anybody's shoes if they want to take a shot at it. Tint's just like flat, like she's just she's kind of making that face, like I can't, I can't even. <laughs> right. uh, Early would say, "Clego, um, and how old are you?" Why? It's important when we discuss things about the oath. It takes us to conversations about the Mages' War. And it's very different to have lived during those times than to have read about them. And she just kind of raises her eyebrows like, the whole reason the Mages' War happened is because one side thought they should be the only ones that know how to do something. And by hoarding all of their knowledge, instead of sharing it with the world, uh, it led to a devastating arms race that left a scar on our entire world. So I think maybe what we're dealing with is anecdotal experience versus study and pondering and intellectually dissecting the situation. And like Benjamin is torn between like being offended on your behalf and going enjoying the intellectual pursuit of it. She minored in debate. Uh, in, in the background, uh, Vasa is expanding at large with the gambler about what kind of complete stiff assholes all dwarves are, and he's just she's just like miming the size of the sticks that must have been up their tiny little collective asses. Like she's just really uh, she's sure that the gambler captain would would have empathy for and sympathy for what she had to put up with down there. I mean, not. He's like, the gambler is your stage, and you should sing it. So <laughs> preach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Back to Ertleby and Claiborne. Ertleby would smile. Uh, be like, dearie, do be honest. I have to say I agree with you. Now, of course, my natural response to your point would be that gunslingers take an oath that was not taken by the kingdom of Kadim. We vow to keep secret our power and to use it in only right ways. But such a plan is inherently flawed. It's like hiring wolves to guard your farm. They may guard you quite well for some time, but you can't guarantee that the next generation of gunslingers will hold the oath so dearly, or the generation after that, or the generation after that. These things atrophy. And in such, the wolves will turn on the farm and devour it. And yet, are we there yet? That the oath must be revisited at some point does not mean that it is today. And uh, Benjamin just smiles and he's like, it's absolutely right. I think the, the important thing to remember as well, um, one of the big differences between your example of the arcane knowledge hoarded versus our particular knowledge is what you have to understand is that ours is a burden to protect part of that is accepting responsibility for the dangers we put the world in not just with our actions but with our knowledge the gunslingers possess a power that requires no sacrifice to use to cast a spell is to devote yourself to countless hours of study or to a higher calling or some sort of purpose bigger and higher than you would normally uh, subscribe to. Uh, to wield our power, you need only find the trigger. 
we acknowledge and take seriously the destructive force we bring into this world. What the Brotherhood has done was seized the knowledge and thrown the burden to the side, and this cannot stand. This is why I do not hold my students to a suicidal obligation over the oath. What gives me hope is seeing Miss Withers and Tin together because it represents accumulated knowledge and, in Tin's particular case, not just youth, but longevity in order to consistently process this knowledge and revisit this oath and treat it more like a living document instead of just a laborious set of manacles that hold us back. That being said, the Brotherhood of Iron does not get to make the decisions on how and when our knowledge should be applied and spread. At the very least, Nina deserves a better resting place than whatever hellhole they've carved for her there. And so regardless of what the rest of the students do, I am going to end the Brotherhood of Iron. Oh, manly. And he doesn't say it with any kind of anger. He just kind of quietly says it. And then just kind of nods and looks over the side. And then you can just see him staring at Cosmic with like a different kind of intensity than he was earlier. As he kind of is forced to think more about what's going on and not hide so much. So an hour has passed and you can hear the familiar sound of some kind of almost electrical rift and then a bird call of your choice. I don't want to bird call the wrong bird call. Thermostone would come up and yeah, beside him would be uh, <laughs> as he would hold Huck, the bird he, he affectionately calls Claudine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he would say... Uh, You'd say, Grandmother, your chariot awaits. (laughs) I'll have you know I just edited episode 10, and in episode 10, you specifically said that the third raven would be called uh, Raven Three Amigos. (laughs) So... Well, that's her. That's Claudine is her first name. Uh, her middle name. Raven Three Amigos. Claudine, and then of course Hammerstone. I mean, she's she's part of the family. Cool name. Oh man. Um, Ertlebee, Ertlebee would would hear you say this and smile, and with a flourish, would transform from her old lady self into a little lumpy rat. Roberto picks up little Grandma Malice and says, Please, Grandma, take care of my cat. Bring her home safe. Or him, wait. I can't, I don't know, I don't actually know what gender this cat is, but please take Bradley home. Erlebi would put a tiny little paw on your robot hand. <laughs> Vasa would have, would have <laughs> snuck up behind Roberto and she would, she would be gesturing like, Don't get the it dawns on Ertlebee that the cat is inside the Brotherhood and he hears Sharder just like under the couch or wherever you guys sit him. And Vasa points out cats eat rats. Yeah. Grandmother. Um, what Ertlebee would actually be thinking about is like, would he notice if I just brought him back a different cat? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the thing. We'll see. You go to the pet store. You Just, own pet store. You know what? It's, he would notice, but he would be too polite to say anything. Like. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, you know what? She tried really hard, and I guess this cat. No, is my all new you cat. have to do is tell Roberto. Be like, Roberto, that's what cats hey. do when they get older; they change color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he doesn't know anything different. about the world. Vasa would have taken the rat from uh, Roberto's grasp and been, and then now she'd be like, grandmother, don't you get the cat now? The, the bird can only carry you and the shards. Don't you get the cat? And please, no side adventures. And don't bring along any tag-alongs. <laughs> and don't go looking for your 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 child. Just, just come back, grandmother. And then uh, she would have passed Ertle Squeak to Brummelstone. So yeah, Brummelstone would have communicated telepathically with the raven, telling him what to do, and to take... Or telling Claudine what to do, and uh, <laughs> to take orders from Ertlebee. So you, you'll just pull if you want to go left, or if you need to go right. What time of the day is it right now? Like, in terms of sunlight, how much is there? About 3 o'clock, because you guys went at lunchtime, so... Well, um, she would be paranoid enough to be like, they're in high alert. They might know, They might be um, paranoid of a bird suddenly appearing if it's uncommon in this area. Perhaps we should wait until late, late uh, afternoon, or when the sky begins to darken. Should have summoned a pigeon. <laughs> when you can summon birds, you can choose to summon a pigeon. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Damn. She's hurting. Let her sass. Sass Force One. Come make for landing. Sass Force One. I love it. Also, uh, Jane's comment. She's she's mourning. <laughs> just give her that win. She just needs a win. Yeah. And Benjamin, she says, I agree. There's no harm in waiting. Yeah. If we have a place to be near but be safe, then yeah. That's... So I think then we wait for a couple hours. Yeah. And set off around dusk or so. Uh, Vasa would be walking, would be sort of sticking to the captain gambler, the gambler captain, sort of just like really chumming with him and also really trying to uh, wow him with tales of how they escaped the cellar like really sort of pitching it as this like really touch and go thing or it was luck of the draw and everything sort of like selling it as like one of those very daring do adventures that she would probably enjoy and he's super into it and he's like i mean the the fact that you have magic users with you is insane like where have you been to the flats did you recruit them from the flat no no we were just my friends and i we are we are a specially chosen bunch, don't you know? <laughs> no, hadn't come up yet. No, we're pretty special. I thought you guys were pretty just special. cool. <laughs> pretty special. Yeah, he's uh, the dwarf's got magic, and uh, yep. the robot's got magic too. And uh, I had magic. I had these knives. Oh, you would have loved them. They were these beautiful, beautiful knives. They did this. They, were, they had this what magic. What happened to them? them? Well, my friends got captured. And something, something terrible merchant who I'm never going to work with again because, you know, there's just no no respect between merchants like that. <laughs> I lost those knives to get my friends back. Oh, I thought your knives were captured and they were your friends. Oh, ah, they were my you. friends. I had to lose them. I lost, I lost those friends, too. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> and, then, and then she would have sort of like slapped the shoulder. Like, what about you? What have you been up to since, since we last saw you? Where have you been? What have you been doing? What's, the, what, what's that look? Like, what's that look? 
Come the on. look of wanting to lie to you and not wanting to lie to you because I respect you. Well, I love a good tale, whether it's true or not. Come on, Captain. Well, well, in Come that on. case, have you heard of the Durango Mountains? Tell me. We just came from there. <laughs> the thing about this ship, and he just goes on to tell you this tale about how the ship um, has um, a weight system underneath it mm-hmm. that can cause the ship to dive and dynamically, like, as need be in ways that other airships could never even dream of. Mm-hmm. And how they went into the mountains in order to attract the attention of the Venari, the leathery creatures, mm-hmm. and the lightning harvesters that live in there. Mm-hmm. And basically brought them on a grand chase and then caused them to crash into each other. And then once they hit the ground, they... Uh, so he was telling the story of like dodging and dipping the Venari and tricking Yeah, and them. causing them to crash into each other so they could harvest the skins and the essence of the lightning harvesters. Uh-huh. At no point do you have to believe the story, but... So, after he finishes telling that tale, and he seems... I'm assuming he seems a bit proud of his tall tale, Vasa kind of rubs her hands and goes, Well, let me tell you a story. And she basically relates on a grander scale um, their own adventure of how they fought the lightning thing, and there's people diving off of ships and flying, and they actually chose to draw the Venari out of the lightning, and she sort of exaggerates the numbers, like maybe there was like three times as many Venari that are there, and maybe she didn't do as much <laughs> dying, maybe it was her friends who did the dying, and she <laughs> saved them. <laughs> and then when she's done like completely sort of sort of one-upping him and then she adds with like and that wasn't even a lie and then she kind of like winks at him <laughs> and he smiles and he says uh the most impressive part of that story is the fact that you got the falcon to go somewhere dangerous <laughs> well that captain is about as uh as safe as you can get while still being in the air well we're a persuasive bunch, and uh, he he got he got his money's worth. And they just kind of go back to ribbing each other and all that stuff. Afterwards, as you guys kind of finish up some of the uh, the jokes and the side stories and the one-upping and stuff, it's time to see Ertl be off. Boss's serious face again. Goodbye, everybody. Have a Have safe, a safe trip. trip. We Whoa. hope. Benjamin offers to hold your hat for you while you're gone Vasa would sort of say like we should agree that if you're not back by morning we'll we'll know that something is wrong sounds good and she would give Ben her hat Erdelby would make like a bird leash out of twine um, and just have that ready for when they land and she becomes a human again. So just putting that out there. She's got a little twine thing. She's going to put it around the bird's leg so it can't fly away when they're down there. Bird leash. <laughs> She's thought of this. She knows. She knows right. nature. So you watch as uh, Ertl Squeak takes to the air and eventually leaves your line of sight as it, uh, the bird and her descend upon cosmic <laughs> and it goes pretty well like there's no one scouting the air for anyone so you make it into the area pretty much without a hitch and you find yourself very quickly at uh thornwood estates the alley uh she would look around see if anyone was there um and if it was the coast was clear uh would transform back into a person put the bird leash on the bird um to keep it near her. Um, and then she her would cast Claudine. Claudine. Uh, then she would cast Pass Without Trace 
um, on herself to give herself a little more stealth because she's going to try and sneak into Thornwood Estates. And you can do that with no problem. So you head on in, um, find the door pretty quickly. The doppelgangers seem to be back. Are you going in as, like, fool Ertleby, right? Trust no one. Back in human form. But but she is, she's she's trying to sneak in. She, she doesn't want to disturb them. She's, like, trying to be as sneaky as possible. It's like when you have a one-night yeah. stand and you just need to go back and grab your shoes. It's literally <laughs> that. <laughs> you do. You're able to sneak right on through. Once you get into the kind of main gathering area that you met all the doppelgangers in the first time, you can see Quinn is working with other doppelgangers, and they've got maps of the city, and he's kind of organizing them and helping them try to find you. Oh, he's trying to find us? Yeah. Okay, upon seeing that, I would... um... He's got a little halfling next to him, too. Oh. Uh, And a cat? Alright, Ertleby's gonna continue sneaking and go hunt for the shards. But she, like, smiles to herself. She's like, so you get the shards, and then as you're starting to head out, you hear Quinn say, like, then we'll just have to take the entire Brotherhood, one by one. If we have to start running the city, we're going to. We're going to find her. I don't care what it takes. There's a chance that she's still in the cellar somewhere. And at this, um, he's like, do you really think so little of me? And he turns around, and he's looking for you. And he's like, I hope you're not dead. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a ghost. Because you would totally haunt me. Woo! <laughs> uh, Ertleby would emerge from the shadows at this point and give Quinn a big hug. And as soon as you do, yeah, he just charges and hugs you. No. And he's like, <sighs> it's like, I knew you escaped, but I had to know you escaped. Quinn, you've been such a good friend to my son and such a good friend to me. And the rest of them, the doppelgangers start coming in the area. And Ertleby would, like, pat their heads and be like, Don't worry about the Brotherhood, though you might want to steer clear. Uh, A certain bespectacled young man of my acquaintance of mine has come to town, and he is pissed off. (laughs) What, what What do you mean? A master of gunslinging died in the cellar. Another master has shown up and is very upset with the Brotherhood of Iron. So... Don't don't doppelgang as a Brotherhood of Iron member for, like, the next forever. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, he says, Hey, um, by the way, I, I have something for you. And he says, uh, I was given this letter um, by somebody who says that it's only for you and that it'll only open when you open it. Now, that said, obviously, um, I tried to open it, and he looks, and he he's cut it open already. <laughs> and he's like, it doesn't just open for you, so I don't know what they're talking about. But there's nothing in it. So I wanted to keep the envelope for you anyway. It's not marked or anything. It'll be... Her mind races, because she she realizes she no longer remembers that spell for protection against poison in case this letter is poisoned. But no, but she actually just takes the letter from him. Um, okay. And, uh, and tucks it into her bag um, without opening it. Uh, okay. She's like, thank you, queen. 
I need to get out of this city. How do we get you out of here? I've got that. Don't worry about me. And she winks. And then turns into a rat. If you need to use the jump rail, let us know. We've taken that already. She what? doesn't turn into a rat. She like she pauses. She's like, what? <laughs> well, we weren't sure. We had heard that they had shut down the jump rail and we're waiting for you. And here's the important thing. We had heard that they had shut down the port district and jump rail station looking for you at the port district absolutely covered with the Brotherhood and their terrible armor. At the jump rail station, there were no Brotherhood. Instead, with a little bit of investigation, we found out it's swarming with the Syndicate. Ooh. Wait a second. Right. Are they the same thing? Hell Hydra. That's, that's what we think now. Oh my god. So wait, you took the you took the jump rail from the syndicate. No, we took the jump rail from the Brotherhood. We uh oh. acquired the conductors. And we now know how to run it. Brilliant. Quinn She like starts shaking him. You're the best ever, Quinn. Quinn! Where <laughs> like, do you it was have a hard decision me, for us, honestly, because we've tried not to be the things that we were created to be. But I didn't want to risk you not being able to get out. Erlby's just, like, Aww. shedding a single tear. And is like, if we need your services, I will get in touch with you. Possibly through this bird that I have on a leash. Uh, but... <laughs> he just kind of smiles. But otherwise, at this point, I'm going to try getting back to the group now. Prioritize the health, happiness, and safety of your people. As you say that, that halfling kind of comes up to you, and you'd be forgiven for, for assuming that that halfling was a grown-up mm. when you first saw her, but as she approaches you in her pigtails and she's eating from a bowl of cereal, um, you realize that she was like a kid. And she's like, hey, I saw you in the, um, in the place. Brotherhood. The nerve of those whippersnappers. How are you, dearie? You're so cute. I'm okay. Uh, yeah, but they think I know something and I don't know anything, so. And then she shrugs and walks away. Common theme among halflings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> little girl, little girl, come back. Will you draw a picture in my book here? Ignore the fact that it says stuff about exfoliation. Exfoliation, that sounds dangerous. And she takes the book and kind of scribbles like a little stick figure of herself. Well, she spends more time on the pigtails than anything else, but she finishes the job. Where's your family? And she just grabs her bowl of cereal and walks away. And Quinn just shakes his head. Oh. Remember, Vasa told Ertleby, no strays, no strays. <laughs> Ooh, no side missions. Um, <laughs> Erdlby would say, "Like it's urgent. I get back, lest something happen to my teammates." Uh, but this girl did a great service for us in the cellar. I'm going to be in touch with you via letters, and please keep me posted on her well-being. And I want to help any way I can. 
when the time is right. He nods, and um, before you go, he says, you know we're waiting for you to come back. And at that, it'll be, like, kind of smiles. She makes a mysterious hand gesture, which has significance to the the older generation of doppelgangers. And she turns into a rat. All right. <laughs> and she hops in the bird she had on a leash. Yep. And he just kind of wobbles. I guess he like can't, they, his, his legs are tied up and he feels very weird about hobbling along. All right. So she was trying to do this dramatic exit, but it's clearly, it's <laughs> yeah. all fucked up now. So she like, she like kinda, limps. It falls like, over like, and it just starts like viciously <laughs> picking at the, at the leash until it rips itself out. And then like it gets ready to leave and then it remembers something and it tries really hard to remember. And while it's trying to remember, you have a chance to jump on its back. That's what she does. That's when she jumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, he can't remember, so he just takes off. Pew! Dumb bird. <laughs> uh, so that night, while you're all trying to sleep, but some of you might not be able to for various reasons, um, you hear uh, on the deck. Yeah, Vasa would have been on deck, actually, sort of waiting. Cool, cool. Yeah, but you're, yeah Benjamin's up there, too. So as soon as you fly in, um, Benjamin just kind of smiles and he's got his arms folded and pretty soon everyone's back up on deck as Ertlebee lands. Uh, Vasa would have seen Ben Manley's like confident like I knew she could do it and she, he'd be like <laughs> you wipe that look off your face you haven't had you, you haven't been with her for the past months this could have gone very wrong and then she goes, and then she goes up to Ertlebee. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Ertlebee would pop out of rat form smack the the shards into Vasa's hands and uh, like kind of like stand up and straighten out her cloak and be like, I got a letter. And she would like off to the side, reaching in her bag for her letter yep. and she'd pull it out. Vasa All would right. have immediately covered the shards to dim their brilliant light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you all have been taking <laughs> measures to cover up. So, <laughs> so you said you you head off to open the letter. Um, as Ertlebee is walking away with her letter, she'd be like, "Oh, by the way, I have juicy gossip. I'll tell you in just a second. Okay, she she takes the envelope out and she's looking at it. Yeah. Is there anything noteworthy or interesting? Well, if you pop, if you kind of pull it open, you know, like kind of spread it apart. Mm-hmm. You as you reach into there. You feel paper. Hmm. Then I pull the paper, I feel. As you pull the paper out, like it kind of comes to life almost. And it, before you know it, it's full, just a fully formed piece of parchment. And then there are no words on it. Instead, you hear the words come off the page. And it says, Mother, I'm sorry for the worry I've caused I'm finally doing something right with my life. I can't see you, but I wish I could. And it's in the voice of Torrance. Oh, my baby! My baby's okay! My baby's okay! Ertlebee at this would allow herself, like, a small smile. She's, like, looking over the deck. Uh, it's, it's night now. Um, a little, a little tear. She's already cried at the, like, the doppelganger love. And then she would straighten up 
waddle back and be like, gossip time! Time for you guys to know about the gossip. Did you know the Brotherhood of Iron and the Syndicate are allies? Or maybe even the same thing? Also, the doppelgangers control the jump rail. Anyway, that's Thanks for listening to episode 40, The Letter. If you want more World Walkers in your life, you can visit our website at worldwalkerspodcast.com. And you can also find us at worldwalkerspod on Twitter or on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldwalkerspod. Thanks to Kevin McLeod over at incomatech.com for the music in this episode. And thanks as always to Sirenscape for the sound effects you heard. You can find them at sirenscape.com. I'd also like to dedicate this episode to my mother. He says, why don't you, why don't you line up a shot and take a shot with it real quick? Sorry, as soon as the freaking motorcycles stop doing wheelies out in my front lawn, I will. Oh. <laughs> um, I thought it was like screeching yeah. women doing yeah. wheelies, but that was just you and Olivia. <laughs> Best bachelorette party ever. <laughs> No, it's the it's the Friday night people coming home and like literally just revving their engines and being super obnoxious, right? Okay, Um, but (laughs) yeah, that's what I do when I come home. You can hear the familiar sound of some kind of almost electrical rift, and then a bird call of your choice. I don't want to bird call the wrong bird call and then have to edit the podcast. So, like, I need to look up. Hold on. No, no, you don't have to do all that. I just last time we did this, I was like, and I was like, I had to cut the shit out because he didn't fucking summon an owl. That's what I. That was the other one I did. I was like, it doesn't even sound like a bird. Yeah. What's a toucan call? What does that sound like? Has anyone here seen a chicken? (laughs) (laughs) That would be really funny if you did summon a chicken. (laughs) They can't fly! I've done it. I've I've summoned the perfect chariot. Uh, Jane, um, could you draw Ben Manley for me to hang on my locker? Like on the inside of my locker, just he's just gonna look like Legolas, basically. <laughs> who who said yes. I wouldn't be for that? Yeah. <laughs> Is it just Legolas with reading glasses? Yeah. Is his name? Yeah. Yeah, also, also, you notice all the hot guys wear blue cloaks. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I was like, somebody's coming for Brummelstone's fashion. <laughs> Step off. Who wore Step it best? <laughs> Yeah. Is his last name Manly? Manly or Mansley? It's Manly, but Ertlebe often says Mansley. Um, also, uh, once you get, 
I, I was going to say, obviously, before Ertleby left, Vasa and Brummelstone would have explicitly explained to her where they hit the shards. They weren't just going to be like, so I'll go down oh, there yeah, and good yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think we hit them well, so I don't worry that that's yeah. too much. Well, it was a 12 hiding spot, so. <laughs> they're under the bed. Yeah, they're like, they're in the cookie jar. And you guys just wrote diet on the cookies. Raisin. Decaf. They're in the coffee maker. It just says decaf. No one yeah, will go yeah. in there. <laughs> Beyonce's having twins, by the way, Megan. Twins, the whole. Run. You might know Beyonce. She is a singer. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Unpopular opinion. She's she's okay. Unpopular opinion. I enjoy some of her songs, but not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in moderation, right, guys? Last <laughs> thing. And Tin suddenly dies of a heart attack. <laughs> And it says, Mother, I'm sorry for the worry I've caused. I'm finally doing something right with my life. I can't see you, but I wish I could. And it's in the voice of Torrance. <gasps> my baby! I knew he was fine the entire okay. time. I knew we didn't need to look for him. My baby's okay! <laughs> He's joined the syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> doing something right with his life. <laughs> 